Welcome to So You Want to Be a Witch, the podcast for soul-centered entrepreneurs and the people who love them. Welcome back to So You Want to Be a Witch, the podcast for soul-centered entrepreneurs and the people who love them. Sarah M. Chapel here, founder of the Holistic Business Academy and, you know, this podcast, <laughs> Inside Your Ears. And we're going to do a little uh, year in review today. Um, this is going to be the last solo episode you hear from me before the new year. Next week, we have a really awesome interview with some very fantastic spiritual entrepreneurs that I'm excited for you to meet. And then we're going to be done for a few weeks through the end of the year into the middle of January, probably as we complete our rebrand and a bunch of backend stuff to relaunch the podcast, hopefully middle of January. So stay tuned. Don't forget, there's like four years worth of episodes here, so you can always go back in time and listen to old things if you miss my voice, <laughs> or you can do something else with your time. Um, but I did want to do a little bit of a year-end wrap-up, because first of all, I want to encourage you to do the same. Now, this is a time of year where we see like entire courses and like workbooks and like guides on like how to assess your year. And I think that's all really awesome if that's helpful for you. I'm very much in a like low-key qualitative um, kind of assessment phase this year. So I'm going to do mine publicly here with you on the podcast. I just want to remind you that like doing a year in review can really be as simple as just writing down three things you're proud of this year, three things that were challenges that you want to address next year, and maybe, I don't know, some stuff that you want to try that you didn't get to do, right? It doesn't need to be a deep dive, though it can be, y'all know I love some metrics, but it doesn't need to be a big to-do unless you want it to. And I'm very much on minimal viable life right now. So we're going to do a minimal viable year in review. And I'm going to share some predictions kind of heading into the next year as well that were, I think are going to be some interesting things for us to focus on as business owners moving forward. So the biggest win for us as a company this year is um, our biggest financial win is that we've almost entirely replaced our income with the Holistic Business Academy membership. So this past year, instead of, well, I definitely had big revenue goals. I always set big goals for myself. My primary goal was not actually to hit those numbers at any cost, but it was to replace income from other sources with Holistic Business Academy membership revenue. So we essentially, um, the numbers are not final yet, but I believe we're essentially going to um, 1.7, maybe double HBA year over year. It might be a little bit less. We'll see at the end. I'm not trying to, I'm trying not to like overestimate, uh, um, but I'm recording this on Friday, December 10th. So there's still a few weeks in the year and I don't have all my final numbers, but we have probably, probably at least 1.5 X, if not 1.7 um, HBA year over year. And that's pretty awesome. Um, our revenue as a total for the business is kind of stagnant. It's going to be probably just about the same 2020 to 2021. But how we're making that money is completely different. And I wanted to talk about this because especially those of you that are more um, established in your businesses, maybe you've, you're kind of in the final phases of the Holistic Business Academy framework looking forward, or you are really looking to kind of get to that next level in terms of revenue in your business, often we do need to get more focused and have fewer offers. And I know that my like multi-passionate, super creative folk are like, no, when I say that. But at some revenue level, the economies of scale of having things that are more simple and more easy to replicate will mean that you can make more revenue um, without necessarily having to charge a lot more, for example. 
the the repetition of activities even though our creative folks are like no don't worry you can find creativity in other places um but that makes it easier to grow your business and easier to scale we're going to talk about scalability a little bit because i think that's just going to become even so much more important in the next year for a couple reasons but that was our goal was to essentially simplify the business um so we could have a greater impact without having to work more right? That's always kind of this dance, right? I want to help more people. I want us to generate more revenue. I want us to hire more people and create more jobs, but I want to do that without anyone having to work like, you know, wild hours or be overwhelmed all the time or any of that, not interested. And also just frankly, not available for it, right? My body can't handle that. And I don't ask that of people that I work with. Um, so being able to essentially replace our revenue with one product is wild, so I'm going to break this down a little bit because I think it's interesting to kind of see the evolution or I find it interesting. I hope it's helpful. Last year, we had three primary products that I worked on plus one-on-one -on -one intensive coaching clients that I took on plus several weekend workshops. I think I developed three, two or three workshops last year that I did. So overall, we were selling like, what is that, like seven or eight different things. Um, I worked with many more one-on-one -on -one clients last year. Those were usually three or four month containers and very intensive. I launched last year, I think we did the launch incubator two or three times. I can't remember completely. 2020 is one of those years where still my, my brain is like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> um, but I'm pretty sure we did it three times in 2020. And um, the launch incubator is my program that takes you from, you know, idea to launch in 90 days and teaches you how to kind of do a scalable uh, launch method for your program so you don't have to always be selling um, but still really support your customers and we also ran uh, what was craft your biz and is now the pyre school of entrepreneurial bridgecraft i ran that um, for about six months of last year because that was a year-long program with my colleague and biz bestie ren zatapec um, and we had hba and like a bunch of other stuff i even did some tarot readings last year like just like all over the place and part of that was because of the uncertainty of the pandemic, especially at the beginning, there was a real lack of clarity around where the economic impact was going to hit and what people really needed. Um, and from my perspective, needed to feel supported in their businesses, like what was necessary um, versus, you know, you couldn't just do the same thing that you did the year before. Um, but this year, in contrast, I think I worked with two one-on-one -on -one clients this year, maybe three, drastically cut down on that, worked with a handful of folks that it was such a pleasure to work with, um, but really because they were like the perfect fit and it just, like it felt good. It wasn't really an offer so much. Uh, we ran the incubator only once this year. We are gonna bring it back next spring. So if you've been waiting for the launch incubator, it will come back, but we only ran it once this year. And then we focused on HBA. I think I did one weekend workshop, but essentially I have been selling the exact same product all year long. And that let us do a couple things. First of all, it let us really refine our systems. And we spent a lot of time on that this year. I, I know there are business owners at similar stages in me or further advanced who haven't done that work and are kind of maybe moving faster in terms of revenue, but for me, a holistic business and one that is sustainable where we're not going to burn out and where we're going to continue to be able to offer a really high level of support to all of our customers requires great systems. And it kind of feels like that was our big priority this year. We built out our SOPs. If you haven't listened to the episode that 
um, our, uh, the amazing Marisa Beachdell, who's our community manager amongst many other things behind the scenes um, here at Holistic Business Academy Co. Um, did, that was a couple weeks ago, we can link to that in the show notes, all about our last um, membership launch. But we spent a huge amount of this year refining that process. And actually Marisa's going back in and kind of cleaning everything up as like a year end project. Um, because next year, you know, I was honestly thinking that this would be a faster growth year, though again, as I said, by replacing all of our revenue with one product, that product grew hugely. So even though our revenue total didn't grow, the way we made that money changed drastically. So it was a big growth year from that. But next year is going to be a big growth year in kind of like in that top line revenue number. So I want our systems really solid because when those are solid, it's easy for us to run the business. And that is my priority actually over fast growth, right? Ease. And as I write this right now, Marisa is actually on vacation, which is great or right to say this. Um, I went on vacation this year, like for a proper vacation for the first time since I had launched HBA. Um, So we're really kind of looking at this again holistically and making sure we have those systems in place. So there's a little part of me, I'm not going to lie, the, the ego part of me that is like, ah, oh, but we should have made more money, right? And part of that is me as an achievement-oriented person and then an achievement-oriented person in a capitalist society who has been trained to focus on that as like a primary metric. Of course, as a business owner, that metric matters, right? It's that money that enables us to do the work we do, to do the free resources we do, to keep making this podcast, to have a team and all of these things, right? Um... So there's definitely a voice in my head, and I, I want to say that because my guess is that maybe some of you experience that where you can be really happy with what you've got, but there's still that little voice that's like, but you should have done better. And I have that voice. There is that voice saying, you should have made more money this year, you know, even just as like an indicator of growth and success. But ultimately, greatly increasing the role that HBA plays in our revenue um, was really what I wanted to happen. And I'm really pleased with that. And that, that is a huge win that we basically made, we had almost fully replaced. I think, again, we're going to end up about the same total. So, uh, I should have done my numbers before I hopped on here. I'm sorry. (laughs) But essentially, you know, basically almost replaced our revenue with HBA, um, that, that, you know, is a huge deal and really more aligned with our long-term goals than just making more money. Alongside with that growth, um, we made our first time hire, Marisa, which again, if you haven't listened to the episode we did, you should go listen to that. Um, And that was a huge shift. I've had kind of part-time employees and part-time contractors for a couple years now. Um, people that I've worked with, you know, especially Barry who edits the podcast. Hi, Barry. We love you. Uh, people who have helped us in the podcast in various ways, um, various part-time, super part-time community managers for HBA. Um, but being able to be in a place where we had the stability and I had the confidence in our stability, because I think this is a huge part of what happened for me this year. I had the confidence in our stability to actually commit to hiring somebody full-time. That was a massive win this year. And Hiring, I think, I'm seeing more and more, is, is yes, it's, it, it's rooted in financial decisions. Can you afford it? But it also is rooted, it, it's a mindset thing, I think. Um, when we brought Marisa on full-time, I wasn't entirely sure how we were going to pay for it. <laughs> um, I cut down my pay, uh, and that is kind of how we did it initially. That was not sustainable long-term, especially with me moving um, moving to New York at, 
in the beginning of September, I really could not maintain that. I had to pay myself more to be able to pay my rent in New York. But, you know, I kind of massaged the numbers, made it work. And ultimately, you know, that what enabled me to have that confidence was the fact that we kept relaunching this product and had really consistent results. Um, our, uh, like we talked about in the previous episode um, that I did with Marisa, our last live launch in November of the Holistic Business Academy had our highest conversion rate ever, which was wild. I think it was like 18%, uh, which is extremely high. But we really reliably launched that product and get between, let's say 18 is on the high end, but like between like 10 and 17% conversion rates, which is a widespread. And it usually depends on how many, um, how much ads we're running, right? If we have more ads and more people who don't know us, that conversion rate goes down. But still, I have a pretty good guess that every time we do it, it's probably going to minimum going to be a 10% conversion rate, which is still very high. Having done that and focused on this product, you know, kind of, almost exclusively now for a year, but you know, haven't been worked on it for over two years, I have the confidence to know that I can actually generate more revenue from it. And while I have those numbers, and anyone in HBA who's gone through another program with me, you know, you know how to calculate your conversion rates and how to track them and how to see kind of where the holes are and what to fix. But for me, there's really nothing like doing it over and over again and getting that level of confidence in our ability to communicate this offer effectively and find the right people um, to give me the confidence to make a bigger investment, like taking on the responsibility of having a full-time employee who is not me. And I do think of it that way. You know, those of you that are getting ready to hire, it's a responsibility, right? You know, we live, especially in the United States, so while we we do have the healthcare exchange, I'm not going to get into this right now, but, um, you know, so many benefits are tied to employment it's a responsibility to take somebody on like that. So that was obviously a huge win for us this year and really stemmed from this focus on HBA as the core product. Um, and the last piece I'll say here is going to come up again when I go into my predictions, being able to take a product that is um, at this moment, um, subject to change in the future, but at this moment is $67 a month, which puts it kind of squarely in the middle of business trainings. I know there's business memberships that are less. There's a lot that are quite a lot more. And then courses and stuff, you know, you might be able to get a payment plan at like $97 a month, but then you're locked in and it's a whole different thing. Memberships are different, but we with a $67 a month product have replaced our income from offers that are you know, if we're talking about one-on-one coaching with me or the incubator or something like that, that are thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars right? And that being able to create the stability in our business off of something that is a lower cost offer, especially within the context of business education was, I believed it was possible being able to see that impact this year and actually create that shift and have a lower cost training pay the salaries of two people and let us kind of you know, support people in this full time. That all, I think that is a really the biggest win. Um, I've been pretty determined to prove that you can do that, that it is possible to have lower cost offers that are scalable and supportive for everyone involved. And I feel like I really did that this year for myself. I, I, I saw that confidence grow 
in what becomes possible when we create offers that meet our own needs, of course, but really meet the needs of our, of our students and clients where they are in their journey. So that was a big deal. And then the third kind of big win in my, cause I, you know, I said, pick like three things you're happy about. Um, I mentioned this already, but like the fact that like we took time off this year, <laughs> the fact that Marisa has vacation days that she's using, <laughs> the fact that I was able to take a real vacation. Um, and, you know, I'm really big on time flexibility and, you know, we have a very like loose um, kind of sick day policy, like thing like we're very like, I'm, it's pretty like if we get the work done, generally things are pretty chill, but being able to really take time off and just really be away, especially for me was a huge deal. And that was a massive win to have the systems, the structures, and then yes, the team that I could actually take two weeks off didn't impact anything. That was awesome. I did have a couple personal wins I thought I would share just as a human. Um, I kept going to therapy, took a little bit of a break back in therapy. <laughs> Big win. Um, being able to prioritize that financially and also in terms of time and starting to really see the shifts that, that has created in my life. Um, and then moving to New York was a big win. Um, those of you who've been following along for a while know that I lived in New York City from age 18 to 29, I guess, before moving to Asheville for five years, four and a half years, five years. And um, we've just been really delighted to be back. I can't, there's, yeah, I'm really very, very happy. <laughs> um, I love where we live. We live in a really sweet, quiet neighborhood that is just filled with awesome people and awesome food and good walking. And I'm just really grateful. So that's been a really massive personal win for me. And even though it's been a big adjustment, and those of you who um, listened to the episode where I talked about, are you a scammer and about being scammed by our movers? You know, it's taken me a couple months to kind of um, regulate myself in this new place after all of that, but ultimately has been a huge win for me personally. So really grateful that we could do that. So I want to talk a little bit about what I'm seeing heading into the next year, both for us as a company, but kind of in the wider um, realm. Some of these are kind of building off of what I said last year. And one of the big ones I said last year was that we're going to see an increase in kind of more long form content, um, blogs, writing, and of course, video. And I think more kind of educationally focused content. Um, I say this at a time when there's you know, literally on TikTok, somebody who is claiming that the Roman Empire didn't exist, which is a whole thing. Um, so <laughs> I'm saying educational content, that doesn't mean it doesn't have an agenda. Um, but I think we did see that this year. I think we saw that continued focus on long form content, more um, kind of philosophical and really like kind of deeper dives. And I say long form, I mean, I just mean, you know, longer than like a tweet or an Instagram post. Um, and I know that that it has for me been really powerful to learn about new communities and I'm, I'm definitely expecting that to continue to grow next year you know that we're def we're seeing a not so much i think a reaction against short form but just a desire for depth a need for depth that maybe in recent years uh, was not as present for people but i think after 2020 there there's a a deeper hunger for information. Um, again, <laughs> taken with a grain of salt of, you know, that doesn't mean that it's accurate information. But part of that moving into this coming year, 2022, I do feel like we're going to see a, a continued decrease in social media as a primary connection place. I think this is especially true 
of something like Instagram where they keep fucking with it, to be honest. Like they keep messing with the product and that's creating some confusion. Um, Overall, I remain, um, you know, I remain a user of Instagram and our company will continue to use it. But I do think we're going to see that less through a personal lens and more and more just through like a straight up commerce lens. And the sooner we accept that, probably the better. My favorite way as a consumer to use Instagram is to find new small businesses, right? That's what I'm doing. When I moved to my new neighborhood, I was on Instagram, you know, looking for, for I was like, okay, where's this business and who do they follow? Who are, who's doing what in my neighborhood? And that's how I'm using Instagram more now. Um, and I think that what we're seeing instead, uh, which has already been going on for a couple of years, but really seems to be accelerating right now, is more, frankly, interest groups, right? More self-selecting, semi-gated communities. I think Discord is continuing to really be at the head of this, at least for, for me, um, where people are having a more collaborative environment and creating more connections that stem out of conversation and connection rather than direct selling. Um, I love selling directly, so I definitely recommend that still, but I do think that it's going to be wise in the next year to be a little bit more involved in a wider array of places, especially if you are someone who is primarily using one social media platform And I don't say this to overwhelm you, and those of you in HBA know, we recommend starting with one. But as your business grows, I do think we're at a place where diversification of your online lead generation is going to be more and more important because there's a lot up in the air. I have no faith that like the the, any like antitrust stuff is going to actually happen with Facebook slash Meta, but I do think that the fatigue with social media is really present. Um, I personally find myself spending less and less and less time on Instagram and more time on Twitter. Um, you know, like, so I'm just, just noticing your own desires as a consumer because chances are your customers are having similar experiences. I spend the most of my time on the, on, on the internet now in terms of interaction in discord groups. That's where I'm spending a lot of my time. Um, and last year I spent some more time in forums. So just kind of noticing what you're looking for and figuring out, okay, if I as a consumer and I as an internet user am looking for a different experience, chances are my customers are too. And where can we meet them there? With a Discord thing, I just want to be mindful. Do not run off and like start a free Discord without planning. Okay. Discords are the new free Facebook groups. Like be careful. It's a huge responsibility to manage a community like that. The, um, the moderation features on discord are, are okay we won't get into that right now um but just be mindful just because i'm saying this is the trend i'm seeing you don't need to go run out and start it right if you're doing well on instagram keep going but i do think that there's going to be a diversification increasingly in the next year i think we're going to see fewer of these very very large platforms and more many smaller platforms which just becomes a bit of a a bit of a test a bit of an experiment for each of us to figure out where are our customers who are we trying to reach and um, you know where do we want to spend our time along with that I do think next year we're going to start to see more and more of what is the so-called web 3 coming into the wellness and spiritual entrepreneur space this is not the place for a primer on web 3 I'll be completely candid I'm not sure I'm the person to give a primer on web 3 
But um, Web3 being um, a catchphrase for blockchain-based um, technology and community, essentially. So if you're, you've heard of crypto, you've heard of Bitcoin, you've maybe heard of Ethereum, right? This is about the um, processes and communities that are being basically built on top of that technology. Regardless of what you think about it, I don't think we're at the end of this current phase of it. Uh, in like maybe June, I think there was June, July, there was some a really big growth in that space. Um, there's a lot of venture capital going to that space. And what that means, whether you're personally interested or not, is that it's probably going to start to infiltrate um, things that you're engaging with, right? So I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. Um, I have some friends working on a project to use NFTs as membership gating. So instead of like buying a like a subscription, you buy an NFT and that's what allows you to enter into um, a membership, things like that. Um, there are huge issues with the technology. Again, I'm not the person to talk to about it um, in any in-depth way, but I do think that now is a time, if you are technologically curious and you kind of want to see what might be happening, that's a place to take a look because whether or not it's actually through Web3 platforms, Web2, which is largely referring to these mega corporations um, that kind of have privatized the internet, so Facebook, Twitter, etc., or Meta, that name change is largely a reference to, I mean, despite trying to rebrand in the middle of a crisis, um, is largely a reference to the, the Web3 concept. So we're gonna to start to see Meta slash Facebook and more of these companies adopt concepts from that are being developed in Web3 communities. So there's going to be some bleed regardless of whether you're actually engaging in the blockchain um, or not. So if you're curious, again, I don't know that I have a firm prediction on what that's going to look like so much as I do think that the community building that's happening there is really interesting. I think that it is interesting to see how people are building community. It's like starting on social media, like Twitter is a big place where those communities start, but it's moving to discords, moving to forums and kind of growing in a very organic way. I think it's definitely like a, there, the way community is growing there is very organic also very much based on um, essentially blog posts and white papers and things like that being posted around. It has this kind of like internet zine vibe <laughs> um, that's happening. So that is a place just, I think, to keep keep a little finger on the pulse if you are a bit of a, a kind of a future-focused person. If you're not and you're like, oh my God, this is overwhelming, don't worry about it. Again, these are predictions. But whether it is blockchain technology itself and what's being built upon it or the concepts that are being derived from it and then being used by larger corporations like Facebook. Uh, I think we're in the next year going to see some real shifts in how business can be done online and what is going to start to become normal and what is going to be the ways that um, people are making buying decisions. Um, and I think the final piece here, kind of predictions, and I got to say up front, you know, I say this with twofold, one who has a vested interest in this being true to some extent, but also as someone who's literally about to do the opposite with our membership accelerator program. I think that it, you know, just this morning I was making a joke to my my partner that, you know, inflation is kind of just like a mass, uh, a mass delusion <laughs> that we're engaging in. 
That said, it's definitely possible that we're at least seeing some market correction, if not heading towards a recession, real estate starting to go down and things like that. And even though in 2020, I think there was a really big fear about pricing in the online space, um, and rightfully so in the sense that so many people lost their jobs very quickly. And um, but there, but there was whether it felt you know true for people or not. Um, the government aid, at least in the United States, it did actually have an impact on people's ability to have spending money. And there are, we're now seeing that a lot of that boost, um, especially in people's savings, is already gone. Um, that that's 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 no that is no longer at least in the United States. So, with that in mind, I do think that heading into twenty twenty two, that you know these kind of lower ticket offers have a real potential to fit a hole in the marketplace. Um, that especially in the online space, and I've talked about this before. We've been in a season um, kind of the past year and a half, I think kind of after the initial economic stabilization, after um, the announcement of the pandemic, um, that we've been in a space where it's been high ticket, high ticket, high ticket, right? People really encouraging folks to have extremely high priced products. um, And with that, hopefully to be offering a really high caliber offer. and a real kind of move away from lower ticket products, except as essentially lead generation tools. And I kind of conceptually don't love that. I know that's not shocking, again, as somebody who just said that, you know, our primary product is $67 a month, and I'm really proud of that and what we're able to do at that price point. Um, And I think that, you know, within the... uh, Well, saying that, like, individually, you know, holding individuals responsible for... Systemic economic issues is not super helpful. I do think that accessibility is a high priority for most of the folks in my community and figuring out what that looks like for each of us individually in our businesses financially is really important. But I think we're going to see kind of a swing back to these more scalable offers, but that they need to be done better. You know, I'm about, our our membership accelerator program is not going to be a low priced offer. It can't be with, with what we're doing and what we're offering. Um, I mean, simply the, the labor hours required, not just to create it, but to maintain it. It's going to be the kind of program where, um, you know, you'll get personal feedback on things at least, you know, like once a week, you'll be able to submit something and get like direct personal feedback, right? Um, much more like, much more like a, like a college course in that sense. But especially if we are going to have a recession or have kind of some economic contraction, um, then being ready to have offers that are more scalable but and lower priced but still are really powerful, I think is going to be very key heading into 2022. Um, and I think that that's going to be particularly important for those of you for whom that financial accessibility is a high priority, but who also want to make sure you're getting people results. Now, I'm working on an article right now. It hasn't come out yet, so I can't tell you all about it, um, but talking about online courses one of the really big issues in the online course space, whether we're talking about like small business owners like, you know, you and me, or we're looking at kind of the venture backed online education, like disruptive, blah, blah, blah stuff, is that there's a real disconnect between how people learn and how things are taught online. And there's been in the past, I don't know, uh, five plus years, a real mega focus on kind of higher priced self-study courses. And I think that's fine. Um, but the reality is for most folks, self-study is not adequate, especially for adult learners. 
And that's one of the reasons inside of HBA, we have so many components built on top of the self-study basis, right? Now, due to the price point, there are some limits to what we can literally like capably do for how many people we have. Um, but we do have, we have, there's a set almost, unless the calendar's weird, there's a live call you can go to every single week. There's a community where you can post and you will get responses uh, from me or Marisa um, and, and the entire community, right? You're not alone. You're not thrown into a void with a bunch of information to try to figure it out. And I think that what I see a lot of is this desire to run businesses, and this is this whole passive income thing, which I've complained about before, the desire to run educational businesses, basically, that don't actually take responsibility for the educational environment. Now, I don't think that, I don't know that it can be perfectly done, and I don't think anyone has solved online education. I think, you know, keeping people on Zoom for like five hours at a time is not it, right? But I'm curious heading into the new year, especially if we do see people, um, be some folks being a little bit less able to make financial investments um, or just kind of, you know, a little, the, the fear. I mean, so much of economics is behavioral, right? And, and humans are not rational actors. Um, but if we just see some kind of fear around the inflation and around potential of having a recession, that having these really powerful low-priced offers that are going to be able to actually help people get results without you having to hold their hand the whole time is going to be really important. And it's something I think we do extremely well with HBA. Um, there's always people for whom it's not a good fit. Um, there's people who you know learn in very different ways or don't like learning online at all, of course, right? There's, there's limits to what we can do. But I think we do a really good job, if I do say so myself, of having these multiple touch points and these different ways of getting support and these redundancies built in so people can essentially not be alone, even though it is a largely self-study program, it, you know, and, and the program itself is built in a way that's very directed, right? Where you know exactly what to do next. So that's just kind of my take on it. I still think high ticket programs are going to be very popular. Um, and again, I'm about to run a new one and our incubator program is also, you know, a higher priced offer, but that there is something to be said for having a financial base in your business, which is, again, literally what we worked on this year, that is based on price points that are more accessible. It is a slower build. Um, it is way easier to you know, make $100,000 a year if you are selling a $10,000 product. You only need 10 customers. If your product is under 100 bucks, you need a lot more customers, right? Um, there's math to it. But... I feel like scalability is so unbelievably important to help you weather financial storms in your business um, and to have the flexibility so that your entire business isn't dependent on one or two clients being able to pay their bills. Um, you know, that was one of the things that I was really worried about earlier in my business when you start to realize, oh, if this person doesn't renew a contract, right, or the, or or this you know, one thing doesn't go as well, then I'm not going to be able to pay my rent. So just kind of looking down the line, and I, I definitely am not intending to be fear-mongering. I'm just, you know, I opened up the New York Times this morning, which is my least favorite paper, but still the one I read. And, you know, the whole the whole front page is about how fast inflation is rising, right? There's, there's going to be some financial fear, um, I think, heading into the new year. So starting to think about what you can do that is... A, an ethical and um, 
I think, what's the word I want? Pedagogically aligned approach to online courses, programs, coaching, etc. That can be done at scale. And is starting to ask those questions a little bit instead of making products because we're told they have to be expensive, right? That we can actually do pricing in different ways. And they can be expensive. Most y'all, all y'all need to raise your raise your prices. So I'm not <laughs> that's that's my baseline assumption for most of our listeners, because I, I know you and I know what y'all are charging. You should probably raise your prices. But that there is a way to have offers that actually help people to get results without you sacrificing your boundaries, but still showing up a little bit more than I think, you know, uh, the whole hands-off, self-study, expensive online course kind of thing teaches. So I'm working on that a little bit, but that's definitely something that I'm seeing heading into the new year. So with all of that in mind, um, you know, we've had a really powerful year. I've been very, um, very excited to see as well the new holistic business framework and the the shifts that that's helping to create in people already. And I'm really excited for next year. I'm excited for our new products. I'm excited to be able to bring on some new people we'll be hiring and to continue to support our mission of helping, helping good people make good money doing good work. You know, it's really life-changing when you're able to make money in a way that supports your values and also supports your body and your mind and your needs <laughs> that that has a direct effect on you know the individual but also on our entire communities and ultimately I believe our world so I'm honored that so many of you have been willing to be supported by us this year in so many different capacities whether you're listening to this or you are an HBA member or whatever um, thank you for the opportunity to help you achieve your goals and your dreams and thank you also for the opportunity always for me to do better. Um, I learned so much from your feedback, from your challenges, from your joys, from what works and what doesn't. And you know, the fact that HBA is as powerful as it is now is largely due to the fact that we've been doing it for several years and have learned a lot of things that don't work. <laughs> so thank you all for being on this journey with us as well. So I encourage you, do a quick, I mean, I've now been talking for almost 40 minutes, but do a quick check-in with yourself. What are three things that went well this year? Three things that you want to address? Maybe three things you're excited about. Keep it simple, but just something. Because often, you know, we get, we, we get a little myopic and we don't necessarily see the full scope. As I said, it'd be very easy for me to say, oh man, we didn't grow our revenue this year and miss the fact that we have almost entirely replaced our revenue streams, right? Which is a huge deal. So give yourself that gift. Check in, all right? Okay, y'all. I will see you next week for our final episode of the year. And then I really look forward to um, coming back in 2022 with our, our new branding, our new podcast name, a new show. Okay, still mostly me, but you know, very shiny and new. I wish you ease and joy and rest this holiday season. Bye for now.